You're listening to Hear That Podcast Growling, which I'm proud to say is fueled, sponsored, powered uh, by our good friends, as always, at 50 West Brewing Company. Uh, Optimistic Bobby has his optimistic takes, but man, when I'm out there, I'm drinking those coast to coast. I'm drinking that American Lager, the Doom Pedal. And I'm doing it while people are playing sand volleyball. They're getting in canoes. There's running groups. You name it. Everything is always happening at the Pro Works. Maybe you've been out there in the summer for the huge 50 West Punch Out, which is one of my favorite days of the year, emceeing that huge event where they're pushing out all the punch in the IPA. Just an awesome place. Every beer is a journey. Come join for the ride. We're happy that 50 West is along for the ride with us here on the Here That Podcast Growling. Just awesome to have them on board and uh, happy that we'll be out there for some events this year. It's going to be a great time. All right, welcome into Here That Podcast Growling. I'm Paul Daner Jr. Jay Morrison at long last at long last Jay isn't it isn't it great to be sitting here in front of these microphones finally it really is it's exciting I feel like I have some big shoes to fill but uh, I know everybody out there has been eagerly waiting for this I appreciate everyone's patience uh, waiting through this with us and I'm ready to get going yeah man I it has been a long way we've got we have we can't quite cover the entire off season of I cannot tell you how many times over the last like three months here I have been ready to do an emergency pod that we're gonna break out for you, a old school BDP style. You know, AJ Green, Jonah Williams. I was like, if we could just not have all these emergency pod events happening, uh, I wouldn't feel so empty inside when it comes to Bengals coverage. Because just it doesn't feel right until we are here and doing the pod for you and helping everyone through the therapy session, putting you down on the couch, letting everyone know it might not be okay, but we're here for you. <laughs> and we will be all season long. We will be. So here's here's how this is going to work. Uh, I, I am just super stoked um, to have our good friends at 50 West back on board with us here. Optimistic Bobby is here with us. Um, and thanks to their sponsorship, we are bringing uh, the Monday. We're going to have Tuesday morning, essentially, every single week. That the podcast will be just like you would expect it to be a big uh, overall look at everything that's going on. Also, free on iTunes, so you can listen to the Tuesday morning, the big giant OG. Uh, hear that podcast, Scrawling podcast. Uh, you can you can hear that uh, for free on iTunes. The other two, the uh, we'll have the Thursday morning podcast uh, that you're that you're used to having, which is sort of going to be uh, you know a preview of the game. We're going to talk to the opposing team's athletic beat writer. We're going to have five Goodberry minutes with Joe Goodberry talking about some of his uh, his film takeaways. We're going to be doing bets on the game. We're going to be talking fantasy. It's, it's really it's going to be full of all kinds of stuff. That's going to be on the Thursday pod every week. And then, of course, we will be bringing you the walkout uh, on, after games um, every single week. Now, with this Thursday being a game day, 
you'll get the walkout from us after the game against Indianapolis. But after that regular season, it's Tuesday morning free on iTunes, and then Thursday and the walkout after the game only on the Athletic. And uh, man, it's going to be. It's. I'm just. I'm just pumped to be here. I'm a little giddy. I'm a little giddy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> been a long time. I've been holding this in. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try not to be too over the top because uh, I've been waiting to do this for a long time. Let's. Let me give a quick rundown of what we're gonna be doing here on this particular podcast. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, you know the news of the week. We each are gonna kind of have a little bit of our our take on what the biggest news of the week is. And really, a lot of it's Zach Taylor making news, which is kind of news in itself, uh, how Zach Taylor was making news this week. We're going to run through the roster projection to give you kind of a feel of, of what spots are left, what's up for grabs, some of the surprises of camp. Uh, we're going to take you behind the curtain a little bit, um, a, a conversation that I had with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan about some of those, about some two tight end stuff, uh, and also... Uh, a little bit uh, about the message sent by by Zach Taylor as well. We're gonna we're gonna get some bets that we're gonna that we're gonna pull out. Um, I think it's gonna be necessary. But si- since we're here, that podcast growling, it's only fair that we pull from everyone's favorite song. Now, I'm not gonna do like bad tiger growls. I'm not gonna like drop those in too much. <laughs> On the, but you know this the, the title of the pod is obviously an ode to that song. So we we every week we're gonna play we're gonna have our offensive brute, and we're gonna play what might be my new favorite game, Jay. Run, pass, or boot. I can't wait. <laughs> run, pass, or boot is essentially the concept will be you either run with something, you pass on it like eh, or you boot it into oblivion. Three things, and you pick which what you want to do with them. We'll do a Bengals one, and we'll go a little off the uh, a little off the beaten path as well. And uh, also, I feel like we need weekly updates on your quest for free tickets to concerts and whatever concert that you're seeing, whatever Slayer concert in the like Franklin Bowling Alley is going on. I, I want to make sure we keep updated on that. There's a serious dry spell going on with ticket wins right now. I don't know if the 96 Rock and Ebian have blocked my number or what, but I have not got through. Not only not been the right caller, I haven't even got through to be the early caller. So I'm not sure what's going on there. i, I got to up my game. <laughs> I can't wait to get into the logistics of that. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not giving away bit. any secrets. I'm already having a hard enough time. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's dive a little bit into um, what message – Zach Taylor was sending this week. Uh, let's be honest. Um, I'm a little bit surprised uh, in 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 hearing things said as openly as they were. I didn't think we would sit down Sunday and all of a sudden we would hear, "Hey, um, Damian Willis is going to start at." Receiver and Michael Jordan is going to start at left guard, and Trey Hopkins going to start at center, and just laying it all out there. I was a little bit surprised by that, but the fact also by the moves, the actual moves themselves. Not so surprised about Damian, just because with AJ's injury, someone had to fill that spot, and really, Damian, even though he's unlikely as a undrafted free agent, he's 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 shown up since. 
offseason began. OTAs, he was one of the most impressive guys during training camp. He starts moving up and running reps with the ones and the twos, and he's beaten Drake Kirkpatrick, and he's beaten Will Jackson. He's beaten anybody that tries to cover him. So that, on the in the on the big scale, it did. It was. It looked like a surprising move, but when when you've been watching practice every day, that one wasn't so surprising. Uh, the offensive line ones, I, I was a little surprised. I, I thought, you know, Billy being the first round pick, that would kind of be a, a tiebreaker, if you will, there that Trey would really have to outplay him, and uh, that they're going with Trey. Uh, Bill, uh, I'm sorry, Jim Turner said today that he he was by and far the best center, and it's not over. He he said if if by week four, if Billy's the best center, he's going to start. This is going to be a, an ongoing competition as the season goes. I was going to say, I, was, I wasn't I was sure if I was going to want to break this out now or save it for the bets section. Over, under, eight games Billy Price starts this year. Ooh. He's, he's the backup, but he's going to be essentially first man off the bench in the interior. So if, for example, if John Miller got hurt at right guard... You would, I'm gonna, you would see Trey Hopkins probably move to right guard and Billy Price take over at center, or the same thing with left guard. And obviously, if Trey Hopkins got hurt, Billy Price would be the first one. So, those three spots, uh, if anybody got hurt, Billy Price would come in. Plus, Jim Turner, not exactly one to sit on his hands if things aren't going right the first few weeks. Take all of that into, I'm saying, I'm gonna. I'm going to go over eight. I think Billy Price still ends up starting at least half the games this year at some point. Yeah, I was going to say the same over because it, not only do you wonder about a rookie and Michael Jordan, if, if he, you know, are, you figure there's going to be struggles at some point, how bad are they going to be where they're going to pull the trigger? Um, injuries are always a factor. I mean, how often do, do those three interior linemen make it through a season without injuries? And, you know, the just the Billy and Trey heads up, battle I mean Billy's been battling that that foot injury and and if assuming he's going to get some rest with that uh it's only going to get better and if it is an open competition where it's it's who's the best guy that week there's a good chance he even jumps in and 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 replaces Trey at some point even without injury so I I I do even though now we're you know we know he's not going to start week one so now you're looking at eight out of 15 but I still think that's the better bet is the over yeah you know I, I'm just really, I'm really intrigued by this whole, this whole situation in, in just the fact that, look, you have an undrafted rookie in Damian Willis. You have a former undrafted player unseating a first round pick from last year in Trey Hopkins. You have a fourth round pick rookie winning the left guard spot. A lot of coaches and Let's just go ahead and say it because it's obvious, including the one that was here the last 16 years, say, oh, any, everybody, it's wide open. Everybody's got a chance. Everybody, there's, there's no poly. It's the best guy's going to play, right? Doesn't but matter how you got here. Doesn't matter how you, you got you here, here, right? I mean, how many times do we hear this over and over and over again? But when it comes time to actually divvy out the positions and make a starter and give out playing time, it doesn't end up that way. It doesn't really end up that way. This was an absolute message of, I am going to back up exactly what I said when I sat here uh, at this podium back in February. 
that it is going to be an absolute meritocracy. It is going to be whoever is the absolute best person playing in front of me and, and taking absorbing this system is going to be the one that's going to play. And and I credit them for that. And and it goes back. Here's another aspect of that for me of all of the of this. There is, and, and I don't I don't care if he would have held back uh, telling us. He didn't have to tell us all the stuff, everything on Sunday. He had to tell us any, anything. Well, it wasn't even specifically asked. No, and he just said, "Here, here's everybody that's playing." We didn't ask if Jamie Willis going to start. We we were mostly wondering if he's going to make the fifty three. Uh, you know, and and all of that though, to me, goes back to something that Zach Taylor says over and over and over again: clarity of message. Not just transparency to us, transparency to the locker room, clear communication to everybody. We made, we kind of, you know, we we poke fun a little bit at them talking about communication all the time. This is a prime example of the message that sent to everyone in the locker room. It is not going to be misconstrued. This is what it is. We're telling you right now before this last preseason game even starts, these are who the starters are. This is the way it's going to be. We are going to reward the people and we're going to make it obvious we're rewarding whoever plays best. And that's, to me, that goes back to communication and everything that he's kind of been preaching since the very beginning. Two things about that I, I wonder, I, I wonder, as great as it is for us, for him to just volunteer that, is it a mistake? Are, are you tipping the Seahawks off that, hey, this Damian Willis that you probably don't know too much about is going to be out there as the starting wide receiver? Are you giving up that competitive advantage that Marvin Lewis fought tooth and nail to, to protect at every single turn. Uh, the other thing about this is, yeah, it's, it's he, he is putting it out there that the best guy is going to play no matter how he was drafted, how old he is, all that kind of stuff. But you look at it, I mean, w- with Marvin, as he always said, you're coaching year to year. You're coaching for your job every year. That's not the case. I mean, Zach's got some rope here. So why not get the young guys in? I mean, it's not like they're they're tanking the season or anything like that. And they're they're already saying let's just play the young guys and go through the growing pains. They are going with who they think is the best, but he's got that buffer zone there, that comfort knowing that even if things go off the rails this year, you're developing young guys, and he's still going to be here next year. Like, like you've pointed out so many times, if the, if the baseline is Dave Shula, he he's got a he's got a long way to go before they even think about making a change. So that that I, I'm sure in the back of his mind at least he's got to be thinking, yeah, let's let's start developing the young guys and let's start building something from the ground up. Yeah, I I, I think there's something to that. I it, I do believe that they aren't viewing it through that lens. I I do believe that they are trying to figure out who the best players are to help them beat the Seattle Seahawks. And, and I, I think that's the case, you know, I mean, when you do look at what we've seen, I mean, I I do think that Trey Hopkins and Michael Jordan probably have been the two. I mean, I look, I said early on in camp and and Lord knows people would have been potentially laughing. When I I was just on a John, you can't trot John Jerry out there. Like, this guy was, and I like John. Like I find his story fascinating that he was out of football for a year last year. But you can't put him out there, and and, and like it was listed on the depth chart uh, early on as the starter, and and pretend that this is going to be what you want and what you want to be. Uh, it's it's fine if he's a stopgap veteran piece, but like 
you need more athleticism to run this system. You need more power. And, and you know, I, I was talking with um, CJ Uzama about a, a different piece that, that I'm excited about. But, you know, I was sort of just – I think this – I can't, honestly don't even remember if this was on or off the record. It, honestly, it blurs a bit with CJ sometimes. Uh, but we were, we were talking about uh, the, the moves and Michael Jordan. He goes, man, he goes, I think you know the, the best way to know who really is playing well – is how many times people from other position groups notice. And he's like, man, we notice and the receivers notice. Michael Jordan was is just a beast in there. And he, he absolutely is big and physical. And you know, he 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 may make the wrong half step sometimes, but once he makes the right step, it's it's game over. And and I think that's what they saw. And he has the ability to do that better than anybody else. And Boy, isn't that a absolute sob having to go do that in Seattle week one? But so be it. This dude played at Ohio State. It's not like he's never seen loud crowds or big atmospheres, right? And that, that's a great point from CJ because twice in the last week I've talked to guys asking about other positions, and they threw up their hand. They didn't know what I was talking about. I asked Trey Hopkins about you know he's an undrafted guy that's made this team stuck around for a while if he's noticed what Damian Willis is doing and he said honestly he hasn't he's got his own things to worry about um, which kind of makes sense offensive line and receivers but the, the really surprising one which I led my Damian Willis story today with was Will Jackson saying he didn't even know who Damian Willis is he hasn't noticed him. What a wild interaction that was. Like, I, I will never forget that. You you were over on one side of the locker room, and you, you, it's funny because I was considering talking to Will that day, too, about something else. And I was like, oh, Jay's, Jay's over this and that. That's fine. And thank God that you took the hit for me because Will, Will was in some kind of way that day, and he goes walking off, and, and you're just – and I'm like, man, he's like – He's acting all weird. What the heck's going on there? And then you're telling me that Will Jackson's literally just like, I don't know who that is. There's a receiver's over there. Go talk to them and just storms off. That, that was the day. It was, I mean, it was probably the hottest and most humid day of camp. And they all came in from that practice really surly. They cut it short. Yeah. But the, there was still a, there was de- a definite attitude in the locker room that day. But I'm always kind of leery to if a guy has his back to the to the rest of the locker room and he's in his locker – I always want to wait until they at least turn around. I, I don't know what they're doing, if they're on their phone. And and so I was waiting for Will to turn around to talk to him, and he basically spun around and began his exit. So I just said, hey, can I get a minute or two with you as, as we're walking out? And he said, yeah, sure. And then I asked him about Damien, and he's, who? I don't yeah. know who that is. <laughs> and, I, I mean, you, well, I, mean I, I think at first he truly didn't know the name. But then when I say the Wookiee number nine, and he still doesn't know, I, I – I wonder how sincere that was if he was just like, I'm not in the mood to do the interview. Yeah. But I, I said, you've been covering him. And he said, no, I haven't. Dre's been covering him. Go talk to Dre. Yeah. <laughs> and off he goes. And off he goes. But Yeah, I mean, I, man, what a story. I mean, I, I go back to Damian Willis. And first of all, literally what a story. Your story, incredible. You went and sat down with uh, his – his mom in the stands on Thursday um, and 
totally botched the timing. We, 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 we were sitting there discussing it before the game, like when you go down, when you come up. Like, well, he's got to start now. you got to get down there at the beginning, and you're down there, and then all of a sudden he makes all his big plays as soon as you, as soon as you left. Literally, it hit the first play <laughs> after I left, he made that 33-yard catch over Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. But the funniest part of that was, you know, you suggested going down there for the start since we, were, we found out he's starting, and I'm thinking, well, geez, at the start of the game, because she was by herself. She had, she had one ticket, and I'm like, well, I wonder, there's no guarantee that the seats next to her are going to be open at the start of the game. <laughs> she was in row 15, and she was the only one in row 15. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have sat anywhere in that row, and Plenty it would have been space. the two. Plenty of good seats still available. Uh, yeah, not a, not a huge crowd. Uh, as, as far as I know, people love to track attendance and, and make fun of preseason it was about, uh, I believe it was about 800 less than the preseason opener last year. So if you're trying to take a gauge on what that could mean for where season ticket sales are at, et cetera, you know, that typically when you're looking at that, that's a tickets distributed number, that might be the, your difference in how many people drop their tickets this year, maybe about 800 or so. And the difference, I mean, that was – Game three. That's the game yeah. everyone wants to go to and see. Although Zach did kind of give everybody a heads up ahead of time that the, the starters weren't going to play as long as they had in the past. But yeah, it was, and it was a beautiful night. I mean, if yeah. and the Reds weren't in town, so it's like if people were looking for something to do, it would have been a yeah. nice, easy game to go. Walk up, walk up crowds tend to you know not be huge. You, you can usually tend to get a pretty good baseline just off that tickets distributed because a lot of people don't use those tickets distributed. But we'll, we'll track that obviously as the season goes along. But I know people like to get into that stuff. Um, let's let's jump over uh, real quick and. Before I get into roster projections, I think this is relevant to a lot of the things we were just talking about. In trying to understand, I'm writing a story about their use of Tyler Eifert and C.J. Uzama together, um, and and Drew Sample too in that. But it's the the two tight end sets. We've seen it quite a bit, and we saw it really in the two most interesting plays. Uh, of the first team being out there, which was the first play, the screen to C.J. Uzama, where Tyler Eifert uh, runs off as a decoy and clears the space for C.J., who breaks a bunch of tackles for a a, a long run behind him. And then the touchdown to C.J. was not a two-tight end set, but did have C.J. aligned, attached, and then a play action off of it holds Jabril Prepper's eyes for about a half a second. And CJ is not supposed to be able to outrun and gain a step on a first round safety like Jabril Peppers, but yet did. And Andy Dalton placed it right in the bucket. I just find their combination really, really interesting. So I was talking to Brian Callahan about that. uh, And also then about sort of the message that some of these moves sent uh, across the team. And I thought his his answers on it were really interesting. So here's a Bengals offensive coordinator, uh, Brian Callahan. I think it's important the guys in there know it too. Yes. There's no... There is, there's nothing that's ever going to be handed to you. And every year is different. You got to come back and earn it every year. Mm-hmm. And just because you were good last year isn't going to be good this year. Just because yeah. you were drafted in the first round last year isn't going to your starter this year. Just the way it goes. And um, ideally, you have all of your top picks being starters because they've performed well enough to be starters. But if they don't, you just you have to be willing to put the best player out there that gives you the best chance to win. That's, we're yeah. always going to do that. Yeah. And it's not. Um, 
you know, sometimes you can get a little coach speakish where you're going to play the best guy. But, but you don't back it up when it actually comes time yeah, to actually play the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy for Damien and, and really pleased and proud at the same time. Like the yeah. kids kind of come come out of nowhere and, and earned it. He's, he's flat out earned it. And, yeah. What better, what better story yeah. for anybody to get excited about? You know, I know, yeah. You know, everyone loves somebody that earns, that earns their way, and it's, uh, and it's great. And same with Trey I thought Callahan, you know, um, one of the interesting things that he was talking about was, like, it was, look, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Those guys in the locker room, they know who's playing better. Okay, so they know if you've made a political decision, they know if you really can play better and get the start because they know what's been happening. It's not really a secret. And I thought him saying that 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 being a big part of the message, sending that across the locker room uh, was was pretty interesting to be to be honest. I, you know, and not that he shouldn't say it that way, but 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 pointing out that that's a big part of it. It is everybody else understanding being being a big part of what these moves uh, we're all about. You want to dive into this roster a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I've had the pleasure <laughs> of doing 53-man roster projections after every preseason game. I've actually enjoyed it. It's kind of fun to, you know, not that we, we, we've, I've always done them before, uh, but not every single, after every single game, I typically would do one before camp. Uh, and and then do one right before the first game, and then midway through, and at the end. So doing them more regularly, you can sort of see the ebbs and flows of it a little bit. Um, I mean, I've been on Damian Willis making this team for a while, but then you you then you see all of a sudden he's higher than that. And I've called it. I, I just I, in that I just feel like Tate and Willis are should be no brainers at this point. We'll get into wide receivers in a second. I think they're the most interesting, but the first couple are obvious. Quarterback, they're going to keep two. It's going to be Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley. I'm really intrigued to watch a whole game or so of Jake Dolagala on Thursday. Yeah, I am too because – That dude's got a cannon, and he's looked good every time he's had a chance to play. And honestly, it's been twice that yeah. we've, we've seen. <laughs> it hasn't been a lot. But, I mean, that, that last day of minicamp where they all the starters and regulars sat, he really lit it up that day. And then the, the, the game Thursday night against the Giants, he looked terrific. And it, it's not just the throws, but it's, it's the presence he has in the pocket and, and just kind of that maturity he has about him. And he has a big arm. He, and he, it's not just a big, strong arm. He had a nice touch on, on the, that long pass down to Ventel Bryant. Um, so, I, yeah, I am really interested to see. Uh, how he does what, what what surprises me when you look at his stats from college is he had so many yards and touchdowns rushing and I, I just wonder it, it had to have been by design there's no way he was scrambling that much and um, I, I'd like to see him get out of pocket and, and see how his speed translates at this level one thing interesting when you go back I mean I, I have a lot of faith in them finding quarterbacks when you look at you know Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and and you Van Pelt and I just I mean look they're full of quarterbacks Duke Tobin used to play quarterback for God's sake I mean they are full of quarterbacks here and Zach Taylor we we talked about this a lot um, when he was first hired he was the one that found Desmond Ritter who's now the quarterback at University of Cincinnati when no one else was looking and this could be a very similar type of thing with Dolagala where they they found an arm and they found the, the type of guy they feel like they can develop. 
I just think it's curious. I look forward to seeing him on the practice squad because you know, I, 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 I mean, I, someone would have to put him on their 53 pretty much as a backup for him to not end up back here. So um, that Jeff Driscoll, it's unfortunate. Um, I think they were trying to see if they could turn Jeff Driscoll into Taysom Hill and, and do some receiver and some teams and some some running quarterback stuff like you know like like they did like the Saints did, um, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. It, it I mean it, it's unfortunate that the, the hamstring injury because it's he's not a guy that's opened up and and just. Run, run like that in the past like you do going down on special teams like you do at receiver we did see him have one of the the fastest runs in the league touchdown runs in the league last year with the next gen stats but that, that I guess that happens when when you're not used to opening up and running like that it really would have been interesting to see and it's it I mean it's not a, it's not done yet but it'd, it'd be shocking if if they kept him at this point there's just there's really no room for him on this roster Maybe he gets picked up elsewhere. Uh, I don't know any teams that are that desperate for a, a special team specialist like that. But it is interesting with what Taysom Hill's been able to do. This, this is a, it's a copycat league. We, you hear that all the time. And uh, maybe someone gives him a shot. He is a heck of an athlete. Yeah, but unfortunately he has a lot of bad tape. <laughs> I mean, last year was his shot. And, and, and that was his chance to prove that he can play quarterback in this league. And let's be absolutely real. He he was not a guy that can play quarterback in this league. Yeah, he, yeah, he can he can fill in it for a game or two, but you're right. Yeah, he's not gonna yeah. you're you're not gonna stick him in there. Nice guy, great athlete. It, the right person that had time to try to work something with them maybe could find a use for him, but not enough of a use that you can trump some of these other positions where they already have. You know, where you're talking about how many defensive linemen they can keep here, the seven wide receiver concept, a lot of things that they're they're worried about here. Um, would be thrown off by the possibility of keeping Driscoll in, in that role. They were trying, but inevitably didn't work. Uh, on that note, congrats to Ryan Finley for not being a complete trash heap like he was in the offseason program. I mean, dude, that dude just went from the absolute dumpster to the penthouse as far as the way he looked. He could, I mean, he could not have looked worse in the offseason and in some of the training camp practices. And all of a sudden, right before that first preseason game, he started to come around a little bit. And then once he got out there in the lights, he's, he, you know, some people have said, and it's, it could be argued, he's looked like the best rookie quarterback in the preseason. It, 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 it's funny because, you know, practice is supposed to be easier than the games. And for him, it's looked like the complete opposite where you're right. He, I mean, it wasn't just bad reads in, in the offseason. It was bad balls. I mean, they were fluttering. They were high. They were wide. They were all over the – you almost cringed every time he, he dropped back to throw. And just that – you're right, that week leading up to the, the first preseason game, it, it became clear where they moved him ahead of Driscoll, and he got a lot more reps, and he just – I don't know if it was confidence or comfort, whatever it was, he, he started looking better. And he, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better in the, in the preseason games. What, he started the first one 10 for 10, the second one 8 for 8. Dropped back a little bit last week. But it is going to be interesting to see him develop. Yeah, and, and we have plenty of time to talk about Finley, but I think you, you like what he can be coming in as a backup this year. Any Finley should be playing in front of Dalton stuff is ridiculous. Dalton has actually outplayed him pretty significantly if you look at yards per attempt, which is the most predictive stat. Um, that there is that Dalton's 
played pretty well, 7.9 yards per attempt. Um, and outside of really the tip pick six and the underthrown ball to Malone, everything else that Dalton has done this preseason has, has been been solid for sure. Uh, Finley is fine. A lot of his stuff is dink and dunk. It's, it's, it's part of what he is. He doesn't have a huge arm. He knows how to manage the game properly. He's got a lot of poise in the pocket. All very good for him, but he's got he's got a ways to go. Um, if he were to be, if you be talking about him, anything other than that, we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, in coming years, who knows what happens here at that position? But for now, uh, he's a solid backup that you're comfortable with. Uh, running backs, this is the easiest one that I, I think you know. It's it's four, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard. Hey, shout out Rodney Anderson, Travion Williams. Um, that's your four. That's going to be the four. Travion's hurt, but he's expected to probably be healthy. Time for Seattle. My gut says he's inactive that game uh, as the fourth running back, and they have Mix and Bernard and Anderson up would be my my guess as far as on the 46. And then, you know, maybe Jordan Ellis on the practice squad for whatever that's worth. He's gotten a lot of reps. They might pull from somewhere else. Um, I expect them to be pretty active on Sunday on the waiver wire because they've got some spots – where they need help and they you know I know that they're having meetings Wednesday uh where they're going to start putting making sure they have everybody in order that they think could be out there uh and be absolutely ready to go because I expect them to be pretty active I they're just they they are just not as they're just not as deep as they have been in previous years at some specific positions you know one of them isn't wide receiver shockingly I think before we started Camp, we thought that, man, they may even have to go get a guy. Like, what are they going to do? It looks awful. And, and I'm not saying that they're suddenly super talented, but I think the play that you've gotten at a lot of these, a lot of these young guys has really been one of the more encouraging things of this entire camp. And it comes after they didn't draft a wide receiver for the first time since 2007. That's yeah. you, you thinking, like you said, that, that maybe they would need to go get one. But they, they've all – I mean, Cody Core has stepped up. I know he's a whipping boy on Twitter, um, but he has – I don't recall any bad drops in, in the offseason. Um, he's looked good in the games. He's terrific on special teams. Uh, Josh Malone's the one you wonder about. I mean, he's, he's, he's the opposite of Ryan Finley. He is a just really good player in practice. And then – uh, it, sometimes it doesn't show up in the games, although he did have that late touchdown against the Giants. Um, I, I don't. I, I think that's that. Just like running back, I think wide receivers already settled. I, I think we know who that group is going to be. Um, Auden Tate's going to stick around. Um, I know you had Cody Core on the bubble, but I, I think he's in. I have him. I have him on the bubble, but in. I'm not, it's not for sure. I just think they need. They need him for special teams. I mean, those guys – Willis is not some guy that's going to bring you some special teams impact, and he's obviously – I mean, you don't need that now since he's considered a starter. Tate is not going to bring you that, really. I mean, they've tried. They've got him playing inside almost as like more of a tight end type position on teams, trying to find a spot for him uh, out there. You know, Erickson obviously returns. I think you need core, and you probably need him up uh, on, on game day. And, I, you know, I talked to Cody after – uh, the game on Thursday, he is really opti- he is really optimistic about how this offense does fit him. And I know people are like, "Paul, shut up! Like, stop shoving Cody Core down my throat." Oh, right? No, never, and, never and never forget. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I'm not, and I'm not debating that. But really, if you're if you're going on its face, he's played well this preseason and this camp, and. 
He is good on special teams. He's he's the he's the best guy in that that's in the receiver room for Darren Simmons, and he, he does seem to have some hope in this offense. He said it seems it fits him just like the Ole Miss scheme did, and he's never felt more comfortable. And who knows? Uh, we'll see how that plays out if he has to take receiver snaps. Uh, but you know, I, I think that he stays for that reason, and I think they can they have to keep seven when you consider AJ's situation of him being out, whatever that ends up being three, four, five. Six games, whatever that ends up being. Right. I mean, uh, sorry, sorry. Edit out the six. No, I mean it could be. We don't know. We don't know. He is playing ping pong uh, in a boot on top of a stool right now. And and, and playing well, but mobility is limited. <laughs> mobility is limited. He hasn't even gotten into the rehab portion yet. Uh, and that's where you wonder because they're not only you wonder how quickly he recovers during the rehab, but there can always be a setback during that process. Yeah. You don't know. Um, Zach, Zach dropped a line in the press conference yesterday about a, a decision that needs to be made there with AJ, and I, I found that curious because there's only one decision. It's he's on the 53 or he's on IR with a chance to return, and I just I can't see them there yet where they would put him on IR and just not have him for the first eight games. He Zach said multiple games. It, it still seems like Buffalo week three would be the best case scenario, yeah. but really we it's. I know it's what everybody wants to know, but until he gets out there and starts rehabbing, you just you, you don't have anything else to go on other than the original projection. Yeah, and we and who knows? Maybe they do put him on IR. We'll, we'll see, or maybe something else happens. I love dropping like maybe they'll trade him. I love dropping that in there. But I don't look. I just I have fun with the idea, and I will stand up and say I believe that trading AJ Green for Trent Williams would be the right decision. Uh, I don't know that if, if Washington would do that, and Jay Gruden certainly makes it sound like they don't have any plans on trading Trent Williams, and I've not heard that from inside of this building. Uh, but I don't know. I get pretty nervous when the idea that even Cordy Glenn, we don't know if he's going to be playing in the opener now, and we're talking about Andre Smith out there. If I knew that was the case, I might I'd trade him yesterday. You know what I mean? Because that is – I did the uh, the war rankings. is sort of uh, w- what would be the biggest fall-off, what position has the biggest fall-off. And after Jonah Williams went down, Cordy Glenn moved up to number two on my list, right behind Andy Dalton, because the fall-off from Cordy Glenn to Andre Smith, God bless you, Andre, is significant. Andre is barely a right tackle, much less out there at left tackle. That would be uh, a disaster situation if that ends up being the case. So let's talk about the offensive line. I mean, I think the eight are pretty well known. It's a matter of, to me, they need to try to go get somebody better than Andre Smith as a swing tackle. Now, every team is looking for that because there's bad offensive lines everywhere. But if there's a, somebody you want to trade, if you're, we're talking about guys you could trade, Mason Shrek, hell, maybe you can get something for Josh Malone, uh, these guys on the defensive line, Jordan Willis, uh, who you've got a bunch of guys that are very much the same and you're wondering how you're going to keep everybody. To me, trading one of those positions, you've never had – the roster is really weird where they have some very clear deficit positions and some very, very clear surplus positions. Those two need to reconcile themselves, and the best way to do it to me would be to make a trade, and I think trading for some sort of guy that could be a swing tackle that could come in and play for you – that's better than Andre Smith, or at the very least, better than John Jerry. God forbid you end up in that situation where he's out there at tackle. Um, 
should be the number one priority move outside of maybe trading for a linebacker that they make. Yeah, it, well, trading or grabbing someone off the scrap heap. Um, when we talked to Jim Turner after practice today, he kind of threw a line in in the middle of the quote about the, the guys that we have in the building right now. Yeah. And, and I, I don't – I'd be shocked if, you know, we come here Monday for practice and there's not a new offensive lineman on this roster. Done. Either – by trade or picking up, I mean, maybe two. Because you, you talked about the, the issue with Andre, if Cordy can't go. It, it's not just that top end, but, the, I mean, look at the depth. If, if you've got Cordy and Bobby and Andre, and then what? Like you said, John Jerry, and then a couple undrafted guys that have not looked good at all. They're, it's just it, – it, it, the word you said, disaster, that's what it would be. If It's already – it's already like it's got like one toe in the disaster, like maybe more than a toe. It's I think they've got like a leg doing like the stanky leg into the the pool of of disaster. Where it's I mean, look when you're when you look out there and seventy ones out there at left tackle as your starter right now with Cordy Glenn concussed, self reported concussion, and that's and that concussion has now gone on for. He's not even out there. He's not even taking the steps in the protocol at this point. And we're talking about we don't know if he's going to be there for the opener. And you're looking at Andre Smith at left tackle in Seattle? You're doing a cannonball into the disaster pool. I mean, this is – that is – I mean, and you've got a rookie next to him and an undrafted guy at center next to him. And a guy new to the team. Bobby Hart might be the strongest link. This is where we're at. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. This is something must be done. Something must be done, and and whether it's the trade. And again, it's why I go back. Two things that we've talked about. Hey, some of these receivers look like they could actually play, and this system can scheme them up. Not that you don't need AJ Green, but when we're talking about where you make this team better, I just I want it. The question is, I mean. Is there a team in the league that has Trent Williams? I would. Would Washington say no? If if Jay Gruden was offered now, granted, you're getting what a half a season of AJ Green. But if they felt like they could, if they could sign and trade, if they could get him, get AJ to an extension, they're willing to play with that. I don't know. They probably have the same concerns over AJ that anybody does signing him to a contract right now, considering for the last six years he's been hurt. But and and Jay's coaching for his job. He's the exact opposite of, you know, Zach's got rope. Jay has, he, he might have the least rope in the league right now. Yeah. Well, he might, he's, he's got no rope and no left tackle. So, uh, what would you rather have? A, a, a half a season of A.J. Green or nothing, right? We'll see. And Washington's crazy. They could do anything. And, and Trent could come back. I mean, I know it looks like a stalemate right now, but these things always seem to kind of, I mean, how often does a guy, well, we saw it with Le'Veon Bell, but, I mean, how often does a guy – follow through with the threat to sit out it seems like it always gets worked out trent seems pretty adamant about it yeah. I, i'm sorry i have wait stoked, till the checks stop i have stoked the crap out of these flames and i shouldn't be i can't help it it's just sitting right there best left tackle in football anyway all right uh tight ends uh, we i'll start buzzing through these a little faster here tight ends uh it's a it's a deep it's a this is a, this is a turned into a really deep spot on this team. 
Uh, people have called about Mason Shrek in the past. I would expect them to do so, and I expect the Bengals to be answering this time and, and probably seeing what they can get for Mason Shrek and probably trying to get a player. We mentioned those positions earlier. Because um, Seathan Carter, to me, is going to make this team. Uh, he's, he's arguably the best special teamer outside of maybe Clayton Vedulin on the team. And they love him for that, and he fits into what they're trying to do. And Sample Uzama, Eifert, they're locks. And Shrek has showed well as a receiving tight end when given the chance. Um, really, all, every time he's been given a shot. So potentially there could be something there. This defensive line is crazy. I, I, I have 10, and that's a big number to keep 10. But I think this day and age they're playing so much nickel here now to hide their linebacker problem that you can go 10, 5, 9, and get to 25, uh, where you go five linebackers and nine DBs and go 10, because they, this is a great problem. They have a lot of depth there. I mean, Dunlap, Atkins, Billings, Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Ryan Glasgow. Kerry Wynn has played really well. Total lock for me. Yeah, I didn't think – I thought it was uh, not a, a questionable signing. I thought it was more of a, a, a depth – body you know camp body kind of signing in the offseason and he has he has been impressive uh what sacks in each of the last two games mm-hmm. is that what it's so yeah I, he's in for me as well uh, th- this d-line's been their strength really for the last couple years and injuries decimated them last year uh i i i we talked about this earlier i think sam hubbard is just in for a huge year sam and carl i mean the that list that we compiled of the need to break out they have never needed it more their roster is so lopsided I used cattywampus in a story thanks to my dad who used to use cattywampus all the time when I was younger and I'm happy that I made at least a few people google it but it's just it's lopsided it's flip-flop five of their top six cap hits are over 30 or going to be over 30 Cordy Glenn turns 30 in a month and he might be the oldest of all of them as far as the way he actually is and, and they don't have enough of these young emerging stars that are going to be paid these huge contracts. You can't be in draft, develop, retain if you aren't paying these guys that are in their 20s to be your top cap hits. And that's because they need guys like Lawson, Hubbard when he comes up, Mixon and William Jackson to be worth being paid as a top 5, 10 player at their position. And they're not right now. They can be. And that's why I look Hubbard, Lawson – to me, are two of the most important people because you can have a really dangerous pass rush if those guys become dudes. Exactly. I mean, just the depth alone. You the, the, the you got Carlos on the one side. There, there's just I don't know. I, I if I had to guess who's going to lead this team in sacks this year, what, you, your natural reaction is to go to Gino up the middle. But you have got all these guys coming off the edge. Carl. It could be Carl. It's Carl for me. I think he will. He looks just beast. He just tossed Nate Solder twice. $15.5 million left tackle. Tossed him. It reminds me of two years ago in Washington, Carl Lawson's rookie year. He dominated Trent Williams, who we just got done talking about as one of the best left tackles in football. He has that ability, and and I think he can make good on it this year. And the, if you look at the opportunities, I think are going to be there more too because we saw him – he's been kind of a nickel guy. And we saw him in that in that game against the Giants, his first action playing base and nickel. So he's going to get a lot more chances. Um, he, he, yeah, you're right. He, if you had to put a betting line on it, he would probably be at the top. Yeah. Uh, 
But then Ren, Rennell Ren, the fourth-round pick, I can't see him giving up on him. Jordan Willis, Andrew Brown, Josh Tupo, these are all very much like players that are all very much kind of the same, and you don't want to get rid of any. Andrew Brown looks like he could be the the, the beast breakthrough guy this year. Uh, Zach Taylor kind of made it apparent that he still has some work to do to get onto this team, but he has really played well. Where I just, I, To me, I look at Jordan Willis. I think he has value because people he has played well. He can be a very good, effective player. I don't know where you play him when you just mention all these guys that we just talked about. He's the same player as Kerry Wynn to me. Same player, but not as good. Hasn't been as good. Uh, I think there's value in him big yeah. time. Him and Andrew, Andrew Brown. I mean, maybe they trade Andrew Brown as well. Yeah. If I, I, don't, I don't know that anybody would have as much interest in him. You maybe could get a little bit for him. Yeah, maybe. Although I always say – you never know what could happen in a trade at this point because if you can get a conditional sixth for Ben we- Bene Benwickery, then anything can happen in this world. I know that's true. One of the greatest trades in Bengals. <laughs> Complete fleecing, and all they got was a conditional sixth. That's how bad Bene Benwickery was. Uh, linebackers, I think it's just going to be five um, because – that's the way they play. They're only in two backers out there the vast majority of the time. Anyway, uh, Vigil, Brown, Pratt, Evans, and then some combination of some other bad linebacker after that who, but more than likely, actually, will probably add somebody from another team and just cut cut weight on all the rest of those dudes. Uh, yes. Secondary, really kind of a mess. Um you know, if you're going, uh, I'm sorry, ten. If you're going with ten secondary, I said nine earlier. I meant ten. Six, six corners. I don't know, man. I think this is the one that is is wide open for Thursday night. I mean, Devontae Harris, uh, Darius Phillips. Does does Darquez end up going on pup? Does he not end up going on pup? I don't know. His it's shrouded in mystery, shall we say, what exactly is happening with him. He's out there, sort of on the side sometimes. He looks good, then he's not. He's not saying much about it. I I mean, I know that he wouldn't be back for Seattle or anything like that, but are we talking three to four weeks into the season? Are we talking pups who are just waiting for week seven? I think it's pup. Yeah. Uh, just the fact that he's done absolutely nothing to this point, uh, it just it, all signs point to giving him the six weeks to – to get it going and and giving you that extra roster spot to have some flexibility. They don't have much a corner behind him. I mean, you got B.W. Webb, Darius Phillips, Devontae Harris. Yeah, Devontae's the one that, you know, everybody talked – you know, Marvin was really high on him. He thought he was really going to be a player in this league, and he had the injury last year, which was unfortunate. And I, I, I was – I talked to him in the preseason, and a really likable guy, one of those guys you want to see do well – and he just – he hasn't shown up. He hasn't flashed in any way. He's gotten beat. He has been, gotten beat quite a bit. bit. Um, so that, that, that's kind of surprising there. Um, I know you got Brandon Wilson uh, on, the, on the bubble as well. I, he's another guy that can really have some impact on special teams. Uh, he's, he's really good as a gunner. Um, I don't know. It looks like they're set on Darius Phillips back there, that even dis, despite his fumbling problems. But um, that, that could be interesting to see if, if – Brandon makes this team because you saw what he did in college, scoring every which way, all those touchdowns. He's got great speed. He can be a weapon on special teams, but you can't make that the, the, the primary roster decision. 
Anthony Chesley a guy to watch that could possibly sneak on as a, another undrafted guy as well when you when you're wondering who would be taking that last spot. But I, again, that's another waiver wire spot that to me is is wide open. And then the last uh, safeties are set: Brandon Wilson, Trayvon Henderson. Brandon Wilson's got the edge right now at this point. Maybe Trayvon could could pull some magic in the fourth preseason game. Hopefully not tear his ACL in doing it as he did last year, but we shall see about that. Uh, let's dive into a few of our uh, our set pieces here. Let's go. Let's go into bets. I got one bet for you for Thursday's game that we will settle afterwards. Uh, first post-game pop on the line. Jake Dolagala yards per attempt minus offensive tackle sacks allowed. What is your number on Thursday? Ooh, I read it wrong. I thought it was gonna. I thought those were two separate. No, so that is so they are affecting and to end up with one single number. You have so if Jake Delagala averages seven point nine yards per attempt, and the offensive tackles give up four sacks, that is three point nine is your final number. So what is your number? Two point one. Two point. <laughs> 2.1. And that's a reflection on the line, not Jake. Yeah, I have 5.2. I'm going to I'm gonna say I think Jake's going to have a good day, and I think that the offensive ta- – it's just tackles. Just offensive tackles. Are you gonna, is that going to change your number? Yes, it will. Okay, what are you going with? Uh, let's go 4.1. 4.1. All right. Just the offensive. We will judge if the offensive tackles were at fault. They usually are. Uh, all right, let's go offensive brute. You know what? I, I, it's a chance to talk about Rodney Anderson, who it was the feel-good story. That was fun to watch last week, man. I, I tell you, you can't. how can you watch Rodney Anderson and not now start to wonder? I just say I, I was told that they are not interested in trading Giovanni Bernard, and they, in fact they'd probably be more interested in extending him more than anything. But when you watch the way Rodney Anderson looked, you wonder, like, would they want to just find a way to get him involved more and just have the all OU backfield and, and try to turn him into the third down back? I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but um, certainly you're thinking of ways to get him involved when you see how good he looked with the ball in his hands. Yeah, you, you wonder how much in the back of their minds is his injury history, though, because he's had issues yeah. before the ACL last year. But, yeah, it was – I mean, that the first touch he had, he makes that hard cut, makes the guy miss uh, – you always wonder about that when when a guy's coming off an ACL and he had no fear whatsoever. I know he's been itching to get out there. When I talked to him back in OTAs, his goal was to be ready for the start of camp, training camp, and that that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, he he could end up being the steal of this draft. Yeah. When, when you look at how late they got him, um, and and I don't. I mean, Travion can be a big player in this offense as well. I, I think they're really set at running back. You mentioned the extension for Gio. I mean, how many guys get second contracts anyhow with the same team? And that would be his third. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that. I, I think that's sort of let him play it out and see where it stands at the end of the end of the year for sure. I mean they they love I mean they love what he what he is and what he what he brings to the locker room, but uh man, Rodney Anderson looks like a guy that you're gonna want to see more of going forward in the future. All right, it is that time for run, pass, or boot. Let's start with a Bengals one. Remember, we you are either running with it, you like it, you are passing on it, eh, you don't like it so much, you are booting it. This is absolute trash. I want nothing to do with it. Bengals. I'm going to that linebacker room. Run, pass, or boot. Hardy Nickerson, Deshaun Davis, Malik Jefferson. What do you got? I don't want to run with any of them. <laughs> but I, I think, think – Some of them can't run anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I think by default you got to go Malik. 
I mean, for what? Just for to the run sheer with? F. You're to running run to with run with. Yeah. yeah. Do you? I mean, at some point, you hope the light is going to go. He's got all the physical tools, and I really thought I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to kind of be one of those that that really flourishes under the new coaching staff and it just it hasn't happened he hasn't showed up at all in, in off season and training camp but I have I mean I think we all know what Hardy Nickerson is um and Deshaun Davis he he really hasn't he's he's so small you, you wonder if if he can even play and he hasn't really done much this camp either so that's why I said I don't want to really run with any of them but I guess if I had you know I have to that's what the game is um Malik, I'll run with Malik Jefferson. Um, I, I'd pass on Deshaun Davis, and and you got to boot Hardy Nickerson. You're booting Nickerson, yeah. I, I will. I will run with Deshaun Davis just on potential that he could figure it out, and I, I think there's some hope there. I will pass on Hardy Nickerson, and I am booting the ever loving crap out of Malik Jefferson. It's enough. What did he do to you? He didn't do anything to my notepad, and that's the problem. And not talking to me, he's a very nice guy, and and I have, and he seems very intelligent. But he, I, you never notice him. He never makes a play. He's never around, and he looks stiff, and he looks like he can't cover, and it just looks like a bad pick. I think it's time to just wash your hands of that one. All right, I'm going to pose one to you now. Run past your boot for you, Jay. In, in honor of Kings Island's new giga coaster that's showing up, I'm offering you Run Passer Boot, The Beast, Diamondback, or The Antique Cars, which I know you have a history with. <laughs> I do. Um, actually, my history suggests I should run with The Antique Cars, but that is not the case. <laughs> because you know why? Because, Jay, here's what you do. You hop, when you were younger, you hopped in The Antique Cars. You took them as far away from the station as possible, and then you hopped out, and your friends left them. And so everybody got stuck on the tracks, and it was mean. It was mean-spirited. It was hilarious is what it was because <laughs> this huge backup, everybody's wondering why that, that ride moves pretty smooth. You just you go through nice and slow and you end. But we would strategically jump out right, as you said, at the farthest point away. But it was also at right by the Eiffel Tower where you could go right, you could go left, you could go. There was Even if they were looking for someone to do it, we had four escape plans and they, they never caught us. <laughs> So, so what are you run past? So I'm going to run with the beast. It's just, it's a classic. I I, I love Diamondback, but I'm going to pass on Diamondback because I think there's too many other coasters similar to it. Um, I I rode the beast. I waited three hours in line to ride the beast the first year it opened. I've loved it ever since. Uh, Doesn't every time I go to the park, it doesn't matter how crowded the line is. I will wait and ride that at least once. Um, It's probably my favorite ride of all time. So run with the beast. Pass Diamondback, and I'll boot Antique Cars. They were fun back in the day, but there's no way I'm ditching those now. The only way I would run with anything other than the Beast here is if I could run with watching you do this again on the Antique Cars. That's what I want. That's what, that's what I want to see happen. Otherwise, I, the, beast is, the Beast is the classic. I agree. It's the number one ride. If, I, if you gave me one ride to go to at any point in time ever when I go to the park, it's, 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 you got to go to the Beast. You just have to. I don't, and I don't care how big and fast and gnarly the uh, – the new giga coaster ends up being i'm i'm all about the classic we we had a fun trick on the beast too we would take those big plastic cups that you get drinks in and i would sit on the left side and when you go through the 540 helix 
I can almost, well, I can touch the wall. My arms are so long, I can touch the wall. You don't want to do that because <laughs> you're moving pretty fast. But if you hold a plastic cup, but the friction of the speed, you can actually melt that cup. So we, that was another trick that we would do. And I had one friend who was awful, and we would go to La Rose's, and he would get a couple salt packets, and we would sit in the front seat. And then as we were going down the hill, he would hold up those open salt packets, and salt would fly back in people's eyes. And it's, it's amazing we never got kicked out of that park. You should never be allowed in. I hope that someone who works over at Kings Island PR is listening to this and is like, you know what, uh, Jay Morrison banned. And anybody that's ever hung out with him. You're gonna, we're just going to go ahead and salt packets? Yeah, it was pretty mean-spirited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you, have, do you have a run passer boot? I do. Um, I know how much you love the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's correct. And uh, both of us as journalists are never going to live that, that life where we have a butler. We're, we're never going to make that much money. So I got to thinking about TV slash movie butlers. So your choice, and you guys, Bengals fans listening, are going to enjoy this play on words. Your choices are Jeffrey, Hobson, and Benson. So Jeffrey, of course, from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hobson from the movie Arthur, and Benson from the sitcom Soap. And then got his own show, Benson. Yeah, yeah, but that's Benson. That's 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 great. It's Jeffrey. Jeffrey's clearly I'm running with Benson. I'm I'm gonna pass, and I'm booting Hobson because I want to boot Hobson because everybody does because we love him, but we also love to give him a hard time. So I'm I'm booting Hobson on that one. Uh, update on your free tickets slash concert tour because you're on a constant quest for free tickets and con- if, did you go to a concert last week i'm sure you did i did uh, rat rat with poison and slayer that was, was we stepped out of our zone somewhat it, we've seen this band four years in a row it's get the lead out they're a led zeppelin tribute band and they're terrific a lot of these tribute bands it's kind of eh, these guys are really good and i was i was kind of stunned I, I i put a picture of this on social media we got there we were in the 10th row right in the center and everybody in front of us was sitting down and they stayed that way through most of the concert for a led zeppelin and, concert yeah it was it was really strange because we've seen them in the past and everybody's been on their feet but every this time it was like you were in a, a theater watching an acoustic set everybody was just kind of and my wife and i there's it's a concert there's no way we're sitting down so so you stood in front of people oh yeah did you get any nasty comments from we people didn't. behind you? We didn't. Not not that we heard. I mean, it's it's loud, so I'm sure there were some daggers being thrown at us from the people behind us. Because you know, I feel bad when I go to Bogarts, when I go to a show where it's festival seating and you're just standing. Like I, I legitimately feel bad because I'm six three, so I'm, I'm screwing somebody over. Someone behind me can't see, and a lot of times I I will ask the girl if she wants to stand in front of me, and then she can stand next to my wife, and then the two guys will stand behind them. Uh, it, it, yeah, there, there was people that were probably not happy with me. Um, I have not won a ticket in a long time. Uh, I think last December, Seether was the last time I won concert tickets. So that, that dry spell needs to end. And <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this. Seether. Hey. They're like, just, look, we'll just give these away. <laughs> Who wants to so see Seether? It was almost sold out. <laughs> There's a lot of people like Seether. It's just not your genre. It, it really isn't. It and really neither isn't. is Iron Maiden. And I, I was thinking about this because my wife <laughs> bought me tickets to see Iron Maiden for Christmas and told me I could go with whoever I wanted. She had no interest in going, but she knew I loved them. And the Bengals game against the Chiefs ended up being that night, so I couldn't go. But I was looking, and Iron Maiden is in Portland, Oregon, 
the Friday night before the Bengals game against Seattle. And Portland I'm, trip with an Iron Maiden concert? I'm, I, well, I, I map-quested it, and it's a three-hour drive from Seattle to Portland, so it, it seems a little extreme. I'm going to have to decide. Love Iron Maiden. I'm going to have to decide when I get there. <laughs> Maybe you can get some free tickets. Uh, all right. That is the first ever episode of Hear That Podcast Growling. Uh, awesome to bring it to you. And uh, we will have the walkout after Thursday's game uh, that everyone is going to be riveted by uh, against Indianapolis. Uh, so look out for that. And then next Monday, season preview edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. We will go all into our predictions, our bets for the season, uh, all kinds of fun stuff coming at so, so look out for that. And thanks, everybody, for listening along and waiting throughout the long process to see this thing finally come to life. We're here. We're alive. Hugh, are you in there? We'll talk to you next time.